Well, everyone, today we come to the great uh, solemnity, the great feast of the ascension of Jesus into heaven. I think it's one of the more underappreciated uh, mysteries of God's uh, revelation to us, just to put in a bit of context, right? The ascension. So after Jesus' passion, his suffering, his arrest, after his death on Mount Calvary, after his burial, after his resurrection, and after 40 days of now appearing to the apostles and other disciples, both in Jerusalem and in northern Israel and Galilee, after 40 days, he now ascends back to his Father in heaven. Next week, of course, we celebrate the great feast of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that occurred 10 days after the ascension, 50 days after Easter, which then means, right, we come to the very end of the Easter season after 50 days. Now, I don't know about you, Lent, you know, is 40 days. Easter season is 50 days. Lent always seems so much longer than these 50 days of Easter. I don't know where it goes. But anyway, it seems to go a lot quicker when we're fasting and doing penance than celebrating and enjoy these great uh, days of Easter. I mention all that, everyone, that today we celebrate Ascension Sunday. Next week, Pentecost. And we come to the end of the Easter season. But then, the next two Sundays, we celebrate the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, followed by the great feast of Corpus Christi, of the Most Holy Eucharist. So four Sundays in a row, we have something, some, something very special to celebrate. Now, I think that should beg the question, right? Well, why? Why would we take four Sundays to focus on something so specific like the Ascension, or Pentecost and the Holy Spirit, or the Most Holy Trinity, or even the Holy Eucharist? Why would we take four Sundays? Now, I think there's a couple ways you could answer that. I think first, right, first you could say, well, so we can grow in gratitude and appreciation for everything that God has done for us through these feasts. Okay, I suppose that's one approach you could take. But I think there's something much more intentional on the part of the church in offering us four Sundays in a row to really hone in on something specific in our life as Catholics and Christians. What might that be? Why would we do this? I'm sure by now we've all heard, read in a newspaper, read in a magazine, seen on the news, it comes out about every year or so, uh, the continued rise of what are called the nuns. Maybe you've heard of this before. Nuns, not like Sister Anna Rose that sometimes comes to Mass with us, or Sister Mary Joseph who joins us sometimes. Not those kinds of nuns. A different rising of a different type of nun. Not spelt N-U-N, spelt N-O-N-E. The rise of the nuns. What's a nun? A nun is someone who has no religious affiliation. And we know that in my generation, the beloved millennials, <laughs> we have been seeing an increase in nuns, especially in my generation, an increase in those who have no religious affiliation. Those, if they filled out a survey, wouldn't identify as Catholic or Jewish or Muslim or non-denominational Christian. They would say, I have no affiliation. That's why we call them a nun. And I think we can all think in our own lives, right? In our own families, our own relatives, our own friends, where we say, yeah, we've seen a rise in that. 
we've seen a rise in the nuns. In fact, they say that if you were to take all those who are unaffiliated with any religion and put them in their own denomination, it would be the largest religious denomination in this country, that 25% of Americans would say that they have no affiliation. Now, <laughs> why do I say all that? When they survey these nuns and ask them why they do not identify with a specific religion, whether it's Christianity or Judaism, whatever it is, when they ask them, well, why not, or why'd you leave if you were brought up in the Catholic faith or the Christian faith, why'd you leave? Did you know that there's an overwhelming, consistent response to that question? That we might say, well, because it's just kind of outdated, right? <laughs> kind of old school. For grandma and grandpa, it's not what they say. Oh, maybe because of the abuse crisis and the hypocrisy we find amongst the clergy and leadership in the church. It's not what they say. Oh, because Mass is kind of boring and sermons are just a bit long-winded and the church is just filled with a bunch of hypocrites. It's not what they say. Do you know what the number one reason people identify as a nun or an unaffiliated with any religion? It has to do with one thing. They no longer believe the doctrines that the church teaches. They have ceased to believe the teachings of the church. Now, when you hear that, I can probably guess you hear me say doctrine and teaching and you think moral doctrine, moral teaching. The moral teachings of the church is what they've ceased to believe. No. In fact, most unaffiliated have said we no longer identify because we don't believe the central teachings of the faith. What do I mean by central teachings of the faith? I mean the central things we believe. Like Jesus was dead and he rose. <laughs> like the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Like Jesus is truly present in the most holy Eucharist. Those types of teachings people have stopped believing in. Now you might then say, well, why? Why would they stop believing? Can I take some blame for a second? That we as teachers and preachers and priests, might I propose, have done a lousy job teaching and articulating the central teachings of the faith in a convincing and clear and accessible and practical way. When I taught at the high school, I wish I could go back and teach with more clarity. When I think about giving homilies the last seven years, I wish I could speak with more clarity about what we believe as Catholics and Christians, about the central issues like the resurrection and the incarnation in the Most Holy Eucharist. People are leaving because of a lack of clarity around the central teachings of the faith, and they say, I don't believe. Now, why might it be that we take four Sundays in a row <laughs> to talk about the ascension and Holy Spirit and the Trinity and the Eucharist so we can speak about it with a certain level of clarity, right, everyone? So we can say, oh, that's what I believe as a Catholic and as a Christian. That's what we profess. That's what the church has taught for 2,000 years. Okay. 
It's the Feast of the Ascension. Let me offer two quick points because it's getting hot in here. <laughs> Number one. I think we can better understand the ascension of Jesus leaving us, so to speak, not really, but Jesus ascending into heaven if we first understand his incarnation, his coming among us as man, namely Christmas. If we can understand why he came among us as a man, we can then understand why he would ascend to his Father in heaven. Why did he come among us? Why did he become man? He became man so that he could take on our flesh and to restore us, to restore us toward what God intended. The incarnation means the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Do you know how the early church explained it? They say God became man so that we could become shares in the life of God. They also said it like this. What God did not somehow assume, he could not then redeem. By God taking on fallen human flesh, he could then enter into it and raise it up. That's why the ascension and the incarnation go, to be, go together. So the ascension, what happens today? Jesus, who was both God and man, who was a perfect coming together of the divine and human realities. God becoming man, and now what does he do? He takes us with him. That Jesus now takes us to the Father in heaven. That Jesus now restores humanity that he assumed and raises it to the heavenly realm. That Jesus is in charge and we're connected to him as the body of the church. And he now restores where we're fallen, everyone. Wherever we need to be redeemed and wherever we say, I wish that somehow God could come into contact with this part of me he has through his incarnation. But now he then brings it to the heavenly realm and he brings it into the life and love of God. Second quick point. When we talk about ascension, we automatically talk about heaven, right? Heaven, 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 heaven. I have a question for us. Where's heaven? Like, where's heaven? If you got a room together of people that had unlimited resources, meaning they had all the money they needed and all the intelligence they needed, like an astrophysicist and a rocket scientist and some billionaire who has endless amounts of money, if you got the right team together, let me ask this question. Could you make something that could go out to the end of the galaxies in the end of the solar system and to the end of whatever and find heaven? No. No. Because it's not in this dimension. It's a different realm. We're talking about a different reality that's completely inaccessible to us but we know it's there because God has told us so and revealed it to us and in fact entered into our realm the earthly realm that's what makes our ability to encounter God everyone so incredible 
that God, who lives in a different realm, comes into our lives so that we can be in contact with him. So in this Feast of the Ascension, we have a certain mixing together of the earthly and heavenly that Jesus takes us to his Father in heaven. You know, last point here, sorry. It's been a long COVID. I got a lot to say. (laughs) Now that Jesus is ascended into heaven, he can be accessed at any time in any place, right? Think about it for a second. After the resurrection, where was he? He was in Israel. What year? About 33, 34, 35. Now that he's in heaven, he can be accessed and encountered 2020 Bismarck, North Dakota, St. Mary's 806 East Broadway because he's now in heaven. The ascension is what allows us to encounter God at any time in any place. Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven is what allows him to be encountered in Bismarck, in Washington, D.C. Even those people in California can encounter God because he's in heaven. Because he's in heaven. Everyone, when we come to Mass, we enter into something very sacred, very holy, very incredible. Let's make sure we try to understand what we believe so we may pass it on.